The Classic Comics Forum Podcast presents issue number 31, Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter, Part 2. Welcome back to the Classic Comics Forum Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Scott Harris-King, and today I'm once again joined by Metarog for the conclusion of our two-part discussion of Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. In the first part of our discussion, Metarog and I discussed issues 1 through 7 of Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter, the strangely influential Kung Fu series from DC in the mid-1970s that ran for 18 weird, uninspired, and sometimes downright terrible issues, and yet somehow spawned a host of characters that have gone on to be very influential in the DC universe. None of those characters, of course, being Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. So today we're going to complete our uh, discussion of Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter, and I hope you enjoy. All right, so, uh, issue eight. You see, my, my copy's got a, um, a Thorpe and Porter 12 pence stamp on it. Oh. I actually have a number of issues of Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter that were sold in uh, England for some reason. Yeah, um, those are dual transatlantic comics yeah. that came from America to the England and then from England back here. And then they came back. So issue eight, Ben's okay again. Whatever happened to him, he didn't he didn't uh, step a, uh, into an open manhole or anything this time. <laughs> um, and so once again, uh, some assassins show up and attack the students and this time they actually kill two of the students They're, the students are leaving the school and a machete comes flying out and just hits a guy right in the chest i'm like wow okay um and it turns out it's it's the return of slash not mr slash but just That's slash uh who is back from from two issues earlier and now he wants revenge he also wants to find out who would have won that sword fight with lady shiva and so uh, he's decided to attack, and uh, there's a hilarious flashback where they're like, last time we saw Slash, he was picked up by a huge magnet and dumped in the ocean with an A-bomb. And, and, and uh, they show Lady Shiva, and she's like, I guess we'll never find out what happened to him. And then the caption's like, what did happen to him? How did he escape? And it's like, he swam to the surface. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I guess if you drop a guy in the ocean, he can just swim. The thing that didn't make sense about the flashback is then it's like one day later he was found by a, a fishing vessel and he like captures the fishing vessel and he's like, We're gonna sail back to the island and we're gonna get my men and I'm like There's a crane on the island. A crane. <laughs> it dropped you in the water. You're literally like less than twenty feet from the island when you got dropped. <laughs> How did you swim an entire day the wrong direction? Like, why not just swim right back to shore? And oh, I, don't, I don't understand, but it doesn't matter. Apparently, he got hit on the head by that big atomic bomb, and he lost his way. I guess a lot of things don't matter. The main one being the whole one of the whole points of it is he's going to have a sword fight with Lady Shiva, and so he captures Lady Shiva in a metal net, and then. He gives all of his men these flares to blind Richard Dragon, and he attacks Richard Dragon, and Richard Dragon knocks him out. 
and he never actually fights with Lady Shiva. Lady Shiva. So I'm like, yeah. your whole plan was to have that sword fight with Lady Shiva, and you didn't even try it. You never even tried it. What was what was this whole? This didn't make any sense. And there was this thing where at the beginning he gets this premonition that he needs to teach his students how to fight blindfolded. And then when he's blinded at the end, he's like, aha, I knew there was some reason why I sensed that I must do this. Um, There's a lot of that that goes on in this series. Uh, I was going to ask you that, that Jade amulet, uh, the, I guess it's the claw. It, you know, it's very vague what it does, but apparently he can like sort of channel the wisdom of O-sensei and it can increase his inner strength to be a resulting in, in an outer strength and focus and all this stuff, but it's so vague. It's essentially whatever it needs to do, it does. Yeah, it's very vague. It's not clear whether the amulet actually does anything at all. There are some issues where it felt like he was just grabbing it to focus himself. Other times it seemed like he was giving some sort of mystical benefit. Um, there was one issue later on on the fight we're going to talk about because there was something really weird in it. But there's one fight later on where he grabs the amulet to, and then he's like, no, I don't need to summon the dragon for this. Not, not now. And I was like, why not? Like, <laughs> What difference does that make? It, it hasn't shown to have any negative side effects. Right. Like, it's summoning the dragon just means he swells up like a sponge man. <laughs> yep. um, it doesn't do anything. Dragon. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to use my dragon to... Maybe in a sense of fair play, I guess, is the only thing I can think of. I don't know. I, I don't know. Um, as far as I know, it doesn't do anything, but it, it's, it's, it's sort of uh, these weird mystical overtones that, that at points in the series make you wonder if someone's got powers outside of the norm, but other times it's just like, no, no, I guess not. So issue nine, very exciting because Ben actually starts participating in the comic again, starting in issue nine. So this is kind of an important um, point in the series. Yeah, um, I actually don't know where my copy is, but... Um, praying Mantis. Praying Mantis. So, so this issue is absurdly dumb. Um, not quite as entertaining as issue six, but... Uh, the the best part about it really is that Ben actually starts doing stuff. So Ben and Shiva are now going on missions with Richard Dragon. And so the three of them together are going on missions together. Now, Lady Shiva, I wanted to mention at the beginning, she's quite antagonistic towards Richard Dragon. She goes with him on these missions, but very reluctantly. And she's still angry at him for the death of her sister and stuff. All that disappears by this point. Around this, this issue we start getting this thing where um, a couple times he goes to her for help and it's like, here's the mission. And she's like, okay. But we start getting a thing around this time or a little bit after where she just shows up when they're about to go on the mission. And she's like, I heard about the mission and I'm coming with you. And they're like, how'd you hear it? And she's like, it doesn't matter. And they're like, why are you coming? And her whole thing is that she just loves action and danger. And right. she knows that Richard Dra Dragon is constantly doing stupid things. So she goes with him. She's going to have plenty of action. And so that's her thing here. She's not a good guy. Um, she is, a lot of times, Richard Dragon is punching people and she's just outright killing them. Yeah. And uh, she has no problem with that. She's yeah. just there um, because she just likes the action. 
And this is, starting with this issue, we get what's really the core of the book. I feel like the three of them together going on missions is really what the book is about. And the book needs it because again, Richard Dragon, he's a cipher. He doesn't really have any personality traits at all. The only personality trait we ever saw from him really was in the first issue in the flashback where he's like the street rat kid, all of that gets, you know, taught out of him by O Sensei. So now he's just a blank slate. And so um, having Ben around and Ben is actually having stuff, very minor things in the background, but his relationship with Janie, the student is continuing. We're going to get more with Ben next issue. But what happens in this issue is um, someone is Apparently, someone tries to attack Ben, and, and, and in order to find out who, Barney Ling from Good shows up, and he's like, I know who um, is, is trying to go after uh, Ben, but uh, I'm not going to tell you unless you do this mission for me. And the mission is some uh, country off down there, um, some fake country that we made up, um, they're having an issue with tourists being attacked by a giant insect man. Call it, the people are calling the praying mantis and so they're like that sounds totally normal like a thing that happens let's do it he's robbing them he's actually robbing them he's robbing them yeah and um they go down there and it turns out there's a whole bunch of other people there that are also there to catch the praying mantis because they want the reward and when they finally catch up with them so they're most of the time they're just fighting these random dudes when they find when Richard Dragon finally confronts the praying mantis, it turns out sure enough, it's a guy with the head of a of a giant bug. It's a giant bug head, and he says, and he's an, he's also a martial arts expert. And so Richard Dragon is like, "Come back to civilization, we can help you." And he's like, "I can't be helped. Like I have a huge bug face." And Richard Dragon's like, "But well, if you have a giant bug head, how did you ever? Who taught you the martial arts?" And he's like, "I learned. I taught myself from watching actual insects fight each other." And Richard Dragon's like, "That's how martial arts really began." <laughs> and I was like, "Masters learned. I heard." I don't know anything about the origin of martial arts. Maybe there is some sort of myth, mythological story about that's how it began my immediate instinct was that someone in China at some point as a joke told that to some dumb American that was like, they're going to believe anything I say. <laughs> and then that's like spread. And so Denny O'Neill, when he's doing research for his novel, he's like, insects. Okay. I could do a whole story about a giant Kung Fu insect. Um, and then the story just ends. They knock this guy out and that's the end of the story. And I'm like, well, what happens to the guy with the giant insect head? Yeah. Where did he come from? How did he get a huge insect head? Yeah. Is he a mutant? Um, what happened? And none of that matters. Nothing, ma nothing really matters. Um, there was one other thing in here that I thought was really funny is they're in this bar and there's other bounty hunters there. They're all trying to get information about this uh, mysterious bug, the praying mantis. Mm -hmm. And this frantic tourist comes running in and she's like, I've seen it. I've seen the praying mantis. And the guy's like, oh yeah, well, maybe you could draw a picture. And she's like, she goes, actually, I can draw a picture. I'm an art student. <laughs> she whips out like a, an easel and she's like, I was asking myself, well, how many praying mantis head people are there on this island? You know, do you have to really have to draw him out? I mean, yeah. don't you know what a praying mantis is? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking, right? 
but oh well. It's like, does he have any identifying marks? <laughs> yeah, he's got a huge giant bug head. Oh, well, let's not confuse him with the other praying mantis with the smaller eyes. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, again, whatever. Yeah, this, um, this, one, this one to me just did nothing. This, this, this issue here just did nothing. It, 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 it's, it's like a fill-in from that, you know, that it, if it was eradicated, it, it would make no difference in this series. Uh, other than moving along that the Janie, that they want to go to dinner or something, that's it. Yeah. So next issue, um, also really bad, but it actually has some character development. No, not from Richard Dragon, but more with Ben, because okay. Ben is the only one of these characters, including Lady Shiva, who has any kind of life outside of fighting people. He's actually like, um, has a, a, a I, I imagine he's the only one that has like a, an internal monologue. The other two are just waiting for the plot to come around. They're like reactionaries all, all the time. That's all they do is react. They don't, we're constantly they don't, seeing, by the way, Lady Shiva, there's this thing that, that goes on where something happens and Richard Dragon picks up the phone and then we cut to a scene where Lady Shiva is lying on a couch you know, and she's, she's like lying and she's like at this exotic room and she's just lounging in like, a, yeah. you know. Very seductively with weapons all around her. Yeah. yeah, and she's like, I've been waiting for your call because yeah. there yeah. might be a giant bug. Yeah, there, um, there's like some hint at, that maybe there's some kind of attraction, but she says no, you know, she's like, no, I'm only here for the danger. Um, but there's, there, I think that if the story would have continued, there was going to be some kind of relationship there's a, there were a couple parts where it was suggested that she actually was a, a little bit interested because yeah. um, she and she's all she says that she hangs out with him because danger follows him but there's other points where it's clear like she she's attracted to the fact that he's so badass yeah. um, there's a really kind of uh, among the people listening to the podcast and not watching can't see me make this face but there's one of these moments <laughs> where um, this converse, this comes up in conversation between the three of them. And she's like, and she says something like, no, I'm not, a, I'm here for the fighting. I'm not interested in Richard Dragon. Total denial. Dumb. And uh, she's like, I'm Lady Shiva, Shiva, the god of war, the goddess of war. And Ben goes, well, I happen to also know that Shiva is also the goddess of uh, procreation. <laughs> I was like, what? what? Um, there's a. Uh, let's go to issue ten. Issue ten, the Human Inferno. Now it's suggested. Um, here's my copy. It's suggested on the splash page that uh, this guy has some sort of fire-based powers because he he doesn't. He doesn't. Nope. It's called the Human Inferno because at the end he has a flamethrower. It's is. But it looks like at the beginning he's, he's, we're gonna have another bug monster thing where he's actually got some sort of super abilities um several things happen here again it's all everything is about ben in terms of things are happening with ben that because richard's his friend richard gets involved with that's the only reason now from basically from this point for the rest of the series almost everything that happens is because something's going on with ben um and it's not just him falling off a ladder it, in this case speaking of inexplicable um <laughs> Uh, wills, right? We, in issue two, Richard Dragon, the street rat, 
uh, orphan who's like begging for money and stealing stuff, you know, on the streets of Kyoto is like, oh, by the way, my dad left me this property in, in Manhattan. In this issue, um, Barney Ling reveals that the reason people are trying to kill Ben is because he just inherited a 1,000 acre, uh, like, timber stand. And so the people, there's, and everyone that, that inherits this dies. And so there's something crooked going on with the timber people. And so he's like, I, I inherited that? From who? Like, where did that come from? Okay. So they, they fly up there and this little kid shows up in a scene that was so weird <laughs> where this kid shows up and he's like, you're my uncle Benjamin. He's like, Ben's like, I am? What? Like, yeah. Um, my mother uh, named me after you. I'm also called Benjamin. He's like, you are? And he's like, and so, so Ben's like, where's your mother? And the kid's like, she's dead. And Ben's like, well, oh, okay. I've got a nephew and um, we've got to find out who killed my sister. And he has no reaction to any no of this, he but he doesn't seem to. Have, he, yeah, no idea. He doesn't seem to even know that he had a sister. Uh, he has no reaction at all to them to this to learning that he has a sister who was murdered, and and he's got a nephew named after him. He's just sort of like, oh, okay, all <laughs> right. Hang with us. <laughs> he also immediately changes the kid's name. Like the first thing he does is the kids like, they also call me Benjamin. And Ben goes from now on, you're junior. <laughs> and junior's like, okay, what options do I have? Like I've got no options here. It's better than living in the streets. Like I've been for the past few weeks. Yeah. We find out he's just, he's literally just been like sleeping like uh, in the in alleyways and stuff. And um, so it turns out there's this guy uh, named Mr. Hatchet who's a huge like um, stereotype of a, like a lumberjack and he's been killing people. I don't really understand what his plan is because I just don't understand, I don't understand why he's doing this. It's not really made clear why he's killing the people who own the timber stand. I guess he's stealing the timber. Yeah. He's stealing the profit somehow, but and apparently the police are very inept and can't put, you know, the most the most plausible uh, suspects together because he's killed four people already and has no problems with the police whatsoever. Yeah, the the action in this is um, awkward. So uh, we haven't talked about the art team for a little while. Wally Wood disappeared in the last issue, issue nine. He's gone. And uh, so that issue was all Rick Estrada. In this issue, Jack Abel shows up to do the inking. And uh, it was whatever, but there was parts that just the way it was laid out as an action sequence didn't make any sense because what happens at the end is um, Richard Dragon and Shiva are fighting and Ben and little Ben have run off. And so Ben, uh, Richard Dragon and Shiva are like, you see a house over here and you see them outside the house and they're like, let's find uh, where Ben is. And then in the next panel, all four of them are inside the house. And the bad guy is like, they're trapped in that house. And I was like, they just walked in the house, I guess. They weren't in the house in the last panel, and now they're trapped in the house. And so he sets the house on fire, and Richard Dragon douses himself with water and then runs out through the fire and beats everybody up. 
and they win. Um, this is important. This, this story is important uh, in ways that it shouldn't be because it's really bad. This is probably the, this might be the worst issue of the run. Um, Cause at least issue six was funny. Yeah. This is just boring and inexplicable. And uh, the art's not as good because we don't have Wally Wood anymore. And, uh, but, it, but it is important we get introduced to juniors. He becomes a recurring character. Um, we get more importantly, and in ways that I don't understand. So maybe you can explain this to me. Mm-hmm. The whole reason they're up here is because Barney Ling has told him the person that was trying to kill Ben last issue was one of the, was the were these people they went up they found out yeah sure enough they're killing all the people that own the place and they stopped them the rest of the series hinges on that people are still trying to kill ben and they're trying to figure out who's doing it yeah. and so when that pops up again in a couple issues i was like but we already know who was trying to kill ben yep um so it's just weird but it sets it's it inexplicably sets the groundwork for future stories in ways that it really shouldn't. Yeah, yeah. I, again, I just, I don't think that they thought this through. Um, uh, you know, somehow, you know, Ben doesn't know that he's going to, you know, usually, you know, you know, at least a relative that, that has a company or some, you know, in Canada or whatever. Not only that, I didn't, I, I'm assuming it was his sister who had, it was one of the owners who was killed off. Um, but you're right, and, and, and not only that, but this seemed like to be like a local kind of thug gang, not really like somebody who would send assassins or anything, you know, out to, 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 to kill Ben. So either this is a red herring totally, um, or, you know, there's a, a much greater plot point that was never fully explained later on, because you're right, it, 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 it's, it just is non sequitur here, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and that's, that's how the next issue starts. So the most important thing about issue 11 to me is that David Anthony Kraft takes over as writer. Now, he only writes two issues, 11 and 12. But he's got a complete tone change where he is trying to do a serious sort of 70s style um, action intrigue, like espionage storyline. Right in a way that Denny O'Neill was just not even bothering to try. He was just throwing stuff out there. and was just like, whatever. David Anthony Kraft is really trying here. I think he gets some details wrong because again, he starts off with an assassin trying to kill Ben. And the assassin is um, a samurai who smashes through the window. Richard Dragon's in the hospital because of his burns and the samurai attacks and they throw him out the window and then he disappears. And we get this, um, ambitious storyline where Barney Ling from good sends them to South Korea and they're supposed to meet this person. And then they get involved in this plot to steal these two like cat statues or something. And these are supposed to give them like access to, it's so confusing. What actually happens is you have to have these statues in order to be allowed onto this futuristic Kirby-esque like um, space station island thing in the yeah. middle of the ocean. And so it's like, it's very sort of like 
James Bond plus plus. It's like Moonraker era James Bond. Yeah, it's definitely a, a spy novel kind of feel to it. Yeah, absolutely. There's all these twists and turns where the the person that they're they're contacting ends up selling them out because he's actually the bad guy that they're looking for, who's supposed to be able to tell them why the assassins are coming. And we learn in the in issue twelve that the assassin that was sent was be, was a duplicate created by a Duplo Ray and that these two halves of this cat statue combined to form this thing that allows this machine to create exact duplicates of people. But the duplicates, their life forces are linked. So if the duplicates die, the real person dies. Yeah. And um, yeah, Richard Dragon gets- If you have one, you can only create one duplicate. If you have both, you can create multiple duplicates. Yes, so That's they're going to create like- I don't really understand what their plan is supposed to be, but at the end they create another Richard Dragon and they're like, haha, fight each other. And one Richard Dragon is supposed to be um, fighting on behalf of one of the people that's trying to take charge. The other Richard Dragon is supposed to be fighting on behalf of the other person to take charge. Yeah. And like, whichever Richard Dragon wins, that person gets to take charge. But either way, Richard Dragon dies because, yeah. Yeah. and what happens is both of the Richard Dragons just smash the machine. Yep. And it blows up and it frees Ben. This is the story where Ben gets knocked out by a thrown rock before yep. he even knows that they're in a fight. Yep. Lady Shiva also gets taken out very easily. Yeah, with a club or something. Yeah. yeah and so... Um, and and the, remember the, the villain on the island looks is the sister of Carolyn who was yes. killed, right? So and, one interesting point that happens... Oh, is oh, in, no, not Carolyn. I'm sorry. The, the, the Chinese agent... Yeah, so in issue 11, Richard Dragon, while he's trying to find his half of the thing, while Ben and Lady Shiva are getting the other half, he goes to find this half, and he teams up with a, a Chinese communist secret agent who's also trying to do it, and they have these like philosophical debates, and there's this kind of strange... Uh, sequence of, of um, conversations that they either overhear or participate in themselves, where it's sort of debating Chinese communists and Chairman Mao. And it's, it's okay. Um, it's certainly a lot more intellectually ambitious than anything Denny yeah. O'Neill has attempted to do. Much more. And she ends up dying. She's killed by the samurai. So we've learned that the, the samurai at the beginning of the issue was the duplicate who was sent via this machine. And when he died, it weakened the real one, but it didn't kill him because it was only like half a duplicate because they only had half of the cat. Yeah. And so when he, when he kills this, this woman, um, one thing that's interesting is Richard Dragon goes berserk and kills him. We only see Richard Dragon do this twice. When the woman dies in issue four that he was supposed to protect and when the woman dies in issue 11, both times Richard Dragon goes into berserko mode, he swells up and um, kills the attacker. Every time else, he, he tries to be non-lethal, but he loses it. So he clearly, it's interesting that, he, that David Anthony Craft brings this, this back around as a character thing where he clearly has a specific trigger with these women that he feels like he's supposed to be protecting and then he loses it when they die. So I appreciate that. That's kind of a little bit of more of a subtle bit of character work that you don't, it's not made explicit. You don't only pick up on it if you've read the first, the rest of the series, but I appreciate it because it's one of the only bits of character development we get for Richard Dragon. Um, I feel like there was something else. Um, 
overall, uh, like I thought this was probably the best story uh, in the run. It was clearly the most ambitious. Uh, it, they were, he was trying to do a lot of these espionage things. They weren't all successful. The plot made almost no sense to me, but in a completely opposite way from Denny O'Neill's plots, because those are just slapped together and it doesn't matter what's happening. Here, it's so convoluted that I just couldn't follow what was happening. But um, there was so much more going on in these issues. And the the real benefit of these two issues is in issue 13, we get Denny O'Neill back, but he plays it much more serious after he comes back following these issues. And the rest of the run is much more of a serious attempt to actually do something with this run than what he was doing beforehand. Yeah, agreed. I, I think these two issues, to me, they were my favorite two issues, um, which is weird because I'm not a big David Anthony Kraft fan, but compared to the foolishness that went on before, uh, you know, and I do like those, you know, pulpish, noir, spy novels, double cross, misdirection, all that kind of, a lot of that was in Chang Chi as well, uh, although in a different vibe, right? And it, it was, to me, it, it was obvious that um, Telegraph Sam, Telegram Sam was the guy, you know, that they were, that, because, you know, he even, the same thing, the same trope happened. Oh, well, we, we had to make sure that you're Richard Dragon. So he sends a bunch of thugs to see if they can beat him. Oh, well, you beat my guys. You must be Richard Dragon. Apparently, he's, this is the, the litmus test for figuring out who Richard Dragon is. Because Barney Ling did the same thing. Um, well, they, uh, yeah, they probably are like, hmm, he doesn't have a giant bug head. So we know he's not right. a black guy. Right. I go, they need uh, that art student to draw Richard Dragon. Right. You're like, yeah. <laughs> no, that, that that issue, that, oh my God, that was, that was so terrible. And I think they're probably confused because the only things they've seen of Richard Dragon were the Jack Kirby images. And so when they see this guy, they don't know it's the same character. I didn't even, <laughs> right. That I did, it didn't even occur to me. Um, but so I really did like it. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it still was, you know, far-fetched, but at least, you're right, at least he had, obviously he put some effort into trying to characterize the Richard Dragon here, which I think Denny O'Neill essentially just like, I got nothing here, you know? I got, I got nothing. Let me, let me use Ben Turner and Shiva a little bit and sort of move the plots around them because this guy's got nothing. Um, so I did enjoy these two uh, uh, issues. You know, again, and, and the, at least, you know, we still have Barney Ling involved here and he's, he's, he kind of divide, okay, well, we got, you two go to get this part, you go to get this part, you're going to partner, you know, he didn't even tell him about the Chinese agent, you know, which I thought that was going to be a plot point, which really never came up, but I'm sure down the, down the line it will, um, but honestly, these two are my favorite. Maybe 18, you know, the last one had, you know, some it, it was abrupt, but at least I think I like the direction they were heading it, but it was way too little too late by that point. Yeah. So I've got a lot to say about 18 when we get to that. Okay. First we have 13. So what's weird is this at the end of issue 12, after that storyline's over, the main guys are like, Whoa, this is all great and everything, but we still don't know who's trying to kill Ben. And I'm like, nobody's trying to kill Ben <laughs> except for someone else still trying to kill Ben. And now nobody knows who's trying to kill Ben because we as the writers clearly have no idea what they're doing. (laughs) So they just keep sending people after Ben and um, there's no explanation for it. But that's the plot is now we got to find out who's attacking Ben because sure enough, at the beginning of issue 13, Denny O'Neill's back 
And Rick Estrada is now at this point, uh, he's doing the art all by himself. There it is. I've got one here too somewhere. Issue That's a split pick there. Yeah. So okay. issue 13. And um, Ernie Chan uh, art, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm, uh, I don't want to have a whole discussion about Ernie Chan. Um, <laughs> I, I, he's a very divisive figure. So let's just. Um, Ben gets shot right at the beginning of the issue. He gets shot by a poison <laughs> dart. So goodbye, Ben. Sorry, you had a good run of like th- oh, one issue where you were useful. Like you were useful in issues nine and 10. And then in 11, you get hit by a rock and knocked out. And then um, here we are at 13, you get shot on the first page with a poison dart. And so he's dying because the poison is something they've never seen before. And so they realize that... Um, Lady Shiva is like, I know what's going on here. It's the League of Assassins. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> we get 13 issues in before Denny O'Neill finally decides to bring the League of Assassins in, which would, is like the most obvious connection because over in Batman, he's been doing League of Assassins stories for years. Years, yep. So it makes perfect sense. Um, and so I thought when I read this issue that we were going to have a bunch of League of Assassins stuff for the rest of this run. That doesn't happen. We get just this issue and they go to this League of Assassins headquarters where this guy named Viper, who is the poison master, uh, who creates all the poisons for the League of Assassins is there. And so they're like, we're going to beat the truth out of him. We're going to find the antidote by beating this guy up. And what happens is he gets so scared that he jumps in a helicopter and tries to fly away and the Soviets come in and blow him up. And I was like, this plan sucked. Like, the whole plan sucked. <laughs> um, oh, man. I did want to mention, though, Rick Estrada's art here. So here we got Rick Estrada inking himself. I really was digging this a lot. Now, his art is a little bit inconsistent even when he's inking himself. But he's got moments where he, in this issue, I really like the art. There's another one later where I really liked the art um, where he was inking himself. And his art in this issue, to me, at its best, it had this interesting combination that was like halfway between Alex Toth and Jerry Grandinetti because he had these heavy blacks. He had these thick outer lines. Um, But when he... Yeah. yeah. Look at the thick lines there. Yeah, absolutely. But with this character, I like the Toth parallel. I didn't. I didn't see that, but now I see it. You're right. It's very Tothian. There's right. a couple. There's a. There's a later uh, issue where it's even, it stands out even more. Where there's some pages where um, there's a snowstorm, and I think it's. I think it's uh, an issue with him and Janie, and they're out in a snowstorm, yeah. and uh, it's just it's really good. Um, but then there's also parts where where he is panels like this one here right this this panel mm-hmm. um there's it's, it's like the heavy blacks but where the the grandinetti to me was really jumping out was um the way he was drawing viper mm-hmm. um the bad guy um like this here yep. these panels You're right. You're right. that to me reminded me very much of some of the stuff that grandinetti was doing at the same time on books like prez um and it's almost like a caricature sort of thing but with like this thick line and i alex toth is to me one of the 
greatest artists uh, in comics history. But I'm also a really big fan of Jerry Grandinetti, um, particularly from the 70s, because, you know, he did a lot of war books earlier that look very yes. different. But yes. the stuff in the 70s where he was doing this sort of style is right in my wheelhouse. There's certain similarities I'm seeing here, even with um, I just blanked. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony Capello, Art, Art Capello, sorry, Art okay. Capello over at Charlton. There's a certain, like, the weight of the line and stuff. Um, which is the sort of thing I love. So I really liked the art here a lot. I thought yeah, this was. I really liked his Lady Shiva too. I mean, the 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 face is very, um, you know, it's it's not pretty, but it's you can tell that it's refined, like statuesque. I really like that that he gave that little touch to her. Otherwise, sometimes in the back when when Abel was inking her, it's like it it it, it was kind of like a generic looking Shiva. Here she has a distinct look. Yeah. All right, so for issue 14, here's issue 14, a blatant sort of like a, a cash grab attempt um, where he fights a guy who studied with Bruce Lee. And when I read that was the story. So the idea is, okay, so they're, they're like, okay, um, the guy's dead. Ben's going to die because he's poisoned. But there's one person who might know how to fix it. It's O-Sensei, who we haven't seen since issue two. And so they're like, we're going to go, we know where he is at this monastery. We're going to go track him down. And when they go to find him, Ho-Sensei has actually been captured by Dr. Moon, the guy from issue seven. And Dr. Moon is trying to get the secrets of Kung Fu out of him. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to torture the secrets of Kung Fu. Um, and it's kind of like, well, and hit the guy in the elbow, maybe. I don't know. But no, he's he like, he can't just like, read a textbook he's got to torture him to find out the true secrets of kung fu so when richard dragon shows up he's like okay time to unleash my secret weapon i no longer have the guy with the implant but i do have a random guy that studied with bruce lee and so this guy is like i studied the bruce lee so i'm the greatest and i want to prove it by fighting everybody and so they have the showdown and the showdown what happens is Richard Dragon can't. They, they it ends in a draw, because they because the guy's so good because he studied once maybe or longer with Bruce Lee that I think the comic book people like, you know they put Bruce Lee on the cover and they want to um, they don't want any of the Bruce Lee fans to get angry so even though this is doesn't is not Bruce Lee it's just some guy they're like we can't have we can't have him get beat and so at the end they're like I respect you. And the, the guy's like, I'm going to go train harder because I should have been able to kick your butt because I trained with Bruce Lee. So yeah. I'm going to go out and learn more and then I'm going to come back and fight again. And Richard Dragon's like, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and, and this fight supposedly went on for hours and hours and hours. These two guys were just exhausted. They're beat. I mean, there's their, their clothes all tattered, all bruised up, bloodied. These guys just were going on. It, it seemed to me like at least four or five hours. Well, while Brit, while Ben is there dying, you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone's like, fight. Ben's probably only got hours left to live, and I'm like, well, then he's screwed because he's, you're he's in bad. China. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and they still got to get O Sensei. Yeah, like if there. he's got hours left to live, you you're looking at like an 18 hour flight. So he's gonna die. Before, even if you find O Sensei, he's he's doomed. Um. <laughs> Uh, there was something else in this issue that I wanted to mention, I think. Oh, um, 
So with this issue, uh, we get a couple things. We get the first appearance of the infamous DC bullet logo, which is the one that I grew up with. To me, that's the real DC logo, but that's probably just because that happened to be the one that I grew up with. Um, and in this issue, we have a note from the publisher because Jeanette Kahn has just taken over DC. So um, big changes coming. And one of those changes is this is issue 14. Well, the series ends with issue 18. I think there's probably a direct line because when Jeanette Kahn came in, she started chopping books left and right. And she um, wanted to get rid of the dead weight. She also, you know, then initiated the DC explosion where they created a whole bunch of new titles. But she was ruthless and just sort of coming in and just axing like all of these books that just she thought were subpar. And some of them she canceled that she canceled some that were selling fine, but that she personally thought sucked. Uh, Teen Titans is one where she apparently the sales were okay, but she just thought the comic was so bad that she didn't want to keep publishing it. She thought they could publish something better. So they canceled Teen Titans. I don't know how, what she thought about Richard Dragon Kung Fu Fighter, but it would be no surprise to me if she read the issues up until this point. <laughs> Um, when she took over and was like, wow, this is bad. We need to cancel this. Um, either way, we've only got four more issues after this. Um, the DC logo, of course, was infamous for costing like $25,000. Blanking on the name of the famous, famous designer created this, who has designed all these famous logos. And there was like a lot of artists at DC that thought it was a huge waste of money because they were like, we could have just done it here and saved ourselves all this money. Um, issue 15. Okay. A series, series uh, again, Denny O'Neill is trying to be more serious here. And that's how we end up with issue 15. Issue 15. So uh, this was an interesting story. Um, still not that, well done, but I sort of appreciate some elements of, this, of the plot. Basically, Ben, again, the character that's doing things and having things happen to him and who has an actual life, goes over to Janie's house, meets the dad, and is like, I want to I marry your daughter. And just then, a random giant dude with an axe smashes through the window and kills her with an axe! And his reaction we never see because then it immediately cuts to several hours later, Richard Dragon shows up. And uh, Ben's just kind of like, I guess we should get that guy. And the dad who saw his daughter murdered in front of him is like, yeah, we should get that guy. <laughs> and I was like, does nobody have any human emotion in this comic book? Now there's a reason for that, for the dad's reaction sort of, which we'll find out in a second, but just like we've had the only subplot that's going through the whole series is this relationship with Janie. He goes to propose and a dude with an ax kills her right there. He, and he's, and he's unable to stop him. Yep. And, uh, no emotional reaction at all. We get some later on when he goes on like a vengeance spree in later issues. But in here, I just, I was like. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a terrible segue there from the murder. And then it said, well, the police are coming in to investigate. And then you just see them out in the streets, you know, talking about it. Like, 
uh, kind of like he even says, "Hey, hi, Richard." You would think the guy would just be like, you know, yeah. And later like, on, you find him in the bed or whatever. But yeah, very so, terrible transitions in this issue. There's this convoluted plot with a submarine, and basically the dad's like, "These people have been after me because there's this high-tech submarine at the sh at the dockyards where I that I'm in charge of, and yeah. this these axe this the axe man who is not to be confused with Mister Hatchet. This is a, this is someone else. Yeah. He's called the Axe Man." Um, he is, um, uh, he's a real problem as evidenced by the fact that he just murdered my daughter in our living room. Uh, so you guys need to go stop him. And they come up with some, I frankly did not follow the reasoning here, but for some reason they had to put on ninja costumes and infiltrate the dockyards that the guy was in charge of because the axemen were there, but it ends up they have to fight the security guards too. And it didn't make any sense. And then partway through Richard Dragon's like, wait a minute, I know what's really happening. Now there's nothing in the story that triggers that, that I could see. It's just literally, he's like, wait, I figured out what's going on. We Forget this. Let's go over there. It was just sort of like, um, Denny O'Neill was looking at the page count. He's like, Let's see. Uh, ooh, we're on page 14. Um, okay, he just figures it out. Whatever. And so they go over there and it turns out the dad actually set all of this up because he's stealing the submarine. He staged the whole attack for reasons that are unclear to me. Like a diversion is the only thing I could think of because why, it, why would he want to get Ben Turner and Richard Dragon involved by sending could, the accident after his, in his house? He could have just not involve them at all and they at never all. would have known about the submarine exactly he just would have taken it right but instead this happens and so they finally confront him and he's like um the thing with my daughter that was unintentional my bad still no emotion about it but he was like Sorry. i really need the submarine uh i didn't mean for my daughter to get killed but uh stuff happens and so they're fight. They're on the deck of the submarine, and 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 they're like, "We're gonna get you." And he's like, "Actually, you're not." And then the submarine just submerged, it, and they're like, "Oh, if only we had um, Slash with us, because he's great at swimming." But since we don't, the submarine just sails off, and they were like, "Oh, yeah, that that failed." That, that didn't work out the way we planned. <laughs> So, but, but this is continued. So um, one thing, I mean, we, we have this, there's basically an ongoing storyline now. Yep. So the first uh, 10 issues of show, there really wasn't. And then we get this subplot that, again, has no origin. It makes no sense where people are trying to kill Ben, but we don't know why. And we never find out why because, spoiler alert, nobody's actually trying to kill Ben. So there's no reason for it. But none of that matters. Um, but we do now have a storyline because... Ben is insistent on tracking down the evil dad to get vengeance. And that leads us to issue 16, which has uh, some problems, shall we say? You're being very charitable in that uh, evaluation. <laughs> okay, so there's the guy with this amazing hat. It's a hat where he, it, I don't know why I would want to do this, but it's basically like, oh, it's blocking his eyes, but he can see out of the giant one eyeball on top of his head. It's like a Maybe there was a foundation for it, I, but I missed it. <laughs> I don't uh, basically, they, they track them to, to the North Pole. And uh, it turns out that this is the guy 
that was trying to get the submarine. So they were trying to steal the submarine. The dad was trying to steal the submarine to deliver it to this guy. To this guy, yeah. And they, they found out because of the magnetic um, engine that the submarine has that they could track that to the North Pole because it, because it, um, it would pull anchors out of the yes. water. There's a, there's a lot of things. With, it makes me feel like I'm reading like a Silver Age Marvel where Stan Lee had everything run by magnets because <laughs> this issue and the next issue, there's a lot of magnets. There's a great scene in the next issue we'll get to in a minute with magnets. That was, I remember I was the magnet. Like, we had an issue of six. So yeah. So, likes magnets. Yeah. I guess so. So a couple of the things that stand out for me in this issue is, wow, the, the minions in this issue oh, are Eskimos who have super sharp, ice skates and so they skate around and then they'll jump up and kick you in the throat and i was like i don't know which part of this is the worst part it's probably the eskimo part but then there's all the rest of it too and um there's a great scene where ben is like i'm gonna take him out and he steps onto the ice and he falls and he's like wow this is slippery and the Eskimo, <laughs> the Eskimo just comes over and clobbers him because he can't get back to his feet. And Richard Dragon is standing like two feet away, but he's on the shore. He didn't step on the ice. And so he's just helpless because he knows if he steps on the ice, he'll slip and fall. And I'm like, you know, uh, not only is ice like the worst danger for like elderly people across the North, um, it's actually the worst, they, you know, None of their training can help. It was just, it was. And this is not just ordinary ice. This is special ice. It's special I mean, ice. Yeah, it's slippery more slippery ice. than regular ice. That's right. They like never can say that. I was at Disney World one time and it was, it had rained. It had just rained. And so the person, the bus driver was like, we got to be careful because the rain is called, caused black ice, which is when the, the um, asphalt gets wet. And he's like, black ice is even slipperier, slippery, slippery. How do I say that? Slipperier. Slip, slip, slipperier. <laughs> Nailed it. And regular ice. And I was like, no, it's not. Have you ever driven on regular ice? <laughs> A wet road is not more slippery. Than ice is ice. Ice. Right? Uh, so I don't know what they did. They grease the ice to make it yeah, even more know. slippery. But anyway, yeah, it's Eskimos that are attacking with ice skates as you can see here the other thing i wanted to mention which i found very problematic maybe not quite as much as the use of the eskimos yeah still pretty bad is that at the beginning um they swim up the shore and of course ben's unconscious because everything knocks him unconscious so they fell in the water he's gone he's out he's out the water knocked him out um so Richard Dragon drags him to shore and there's a group of like security guards or policemen there who are like, you stole the submarine. And they're like, no. And they're like, we're going to prove it by beating you to death. Um, and so Richard Dragon starts fighting one of the guys and um, the guy is named AC Turk. And uh, Richard Dragon has this fight with him and Richard Dragon says, thinks to himself this, which I found to be really problematic. He's been schooled in American boxing and that's not good news. It's not as, not as artistic as the Oriental martial arts, but Jack Dempsey or Muhammad Ali in their prime could defeat anyone. My foe isn't as skilled as them, but he's no pushover. 
And then the guy just like beats the crap out of him. And he eventually defeats him barely. And I was like, are you serious? (laughs) Are you serious? Trying to say that a boxer, boxer, like a really good boxer could take out even the world's greatest martial artist. That to me, uh, there's several levels in which I think I just yeah. like, I've, I, I found it kind of like, uh, how do I put this? I'm not personally offended by it, but it's offensive. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like it's, okay. totally. it's not an offense directed at me personally, because, you know, as a straight white man in America, there's almost no nothing that's offensive directed at me but i read this and i was like are you come on man what are you doing right so anyway um, i I found that a very very odd um little section there why he had first of all why the thought process he, he had been in he's been trained in boxing so he knows about it and if that was the case, he would have been focused on that. Notice that he uses very little boxing techniques in anything he does here. He uses judo, aikido, kung fu, karate. Very few times does he use boxing. So he even contradicts himself. Yeah, and this is also the fight where despite that fact that he's like, oh no, this guy knows boxing, I'm doomed. This is the fight where he grabs the pendant to summon the dragon and then decides not to. Not to. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> why not so you're gonna let this guy potentially just sort of beat you to death the submarine gets away you and your unconscious friend who got knocked out by a seashell you guys both die um because because of why because you don't want to summon the dragon which actually as far as i can tell doesn't mean anything other than again you swell up and get angry it may or may not mean something it's not like he's turning into the hulk he's no. just like so that was weird so um we, then we get to issue 17, which does not actually conclude this storyline, but um, it becomes a conclusion because the series gets canceled after next issue. And in this issue... Um, more magnets. More magnets. So we get a <laughs> recap of all the stuff that Ben's been going through with his um, girlfriend getting murdered and all this stuff. Notice we never have any of that with Richard because he has no internal life, but Ben has things going on. And um, so Ben's like, uh, I'm going to uh, take out that, uh, that dad. And I'm going to have, in order to get to the dad, we've got to take out the weird guy with a Cyclops helmet. Um, and the guy with the Cyclops helmet is like, good luck because what you don't know is I've got magnets. And so he's like, he, he has him trapped in this big room and he, he gives this bizarre speech where he said, he claims he's like, you feel those weird energy vibrations from the machine I just turned on. I've just magnetized your bodies. Yes. Your hands and your bodies, your skin, you're now magnets. And now from the ceiling, I'm going to drop hundreds of daggers <laughs> and because you're so magnetized. They're going to fly at you at incredible speeds and stab you to death. And so he, sure enough, he opens this like sphincter in the ceiling and he just starts dumping like buckets of knives down through it. And they start hundreds of them. (laughs) Yeah. They're just like all these knives keep coming down from the ceiling and they go shooting at them. And so they're like using their Kung Fu skills to like slap the knives away, which I'm like, 
I don't think that's how magnets are going to work. Like if, if yeah, it, aren't they going to fly back at you? Right. Yeah. It's like, and plus if you're magnetized and you try and slap this away, it's just going <laughs> to stick to your hand, yeah. but if they don't, which is a clue because eventually one of them, after like several, like a couple pages of this, um, one of them's like, the thing you said about magnetizing our bodies, that's really stupid. That couldn't be possible. And they're like, oh, that huge magnetic belt you're wearing might be doing it. So they just pull the belt off a leash, even throw it in the corner, and all the knives are like, oh, so bad. So then um, I have to admit, I, I got to the end of this and I stopped taking notes. So I'm kind of forgetting. But essentially what happens is they find the submarine. The dad's not on the submarine. And so Richard Dragon and Lady Shiva are like, mission accomplished. We can bring the submarine back to someone, the sub people, the people with the sub, the government, presumably. The people who are after the sub who they think that Dragon and, and his cohorts are, are the ones who have it. So they've been, the authorities have been after it them. Right. All the time. So yeah, so they're going to the they're gonna return that. And Ben's like, no, I'm going after the guy that killed my girlfriend, the evil dad. I'm going to, I'm going to stay here. And so they were like, all right, sayonara. And that sets up next issue, which to me felt like a, one of these change of direction issues. Yeah, it just turned out the direction was immediate cancellation. Yeah. But um, it, it, again, Denny O'Neill, since coming back to the book, has been trying harder. He's got a lot more plotting going on. Um, and there's even more character work. It's just, again, it's all with Ben. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then we get this, which is along with issue five is one of the key issues of the book. Um, because it's the first appearance of Bronze Tiger. Of course, it's not the first appearance of Bronze Tiger because Bronze Tiger is, it's Ben. But he takes on the identity of Bronze Tiger. So what happens here is that um, basically the bad guy's base explodes and um, Barney Ling from Good shows up and or they go to him, one or the other, and he's like, it blew up, but there's no sign of Ben. And so... Richard Dragon goes into this deep depression. All that he does stops teaching students. He starts going to pot. He stops training. He gets he starts growing out like a beard, scruffy. He's he's just doesn't want to have anything to do with life. And for me, I was like, wow, 18 issues in, and we finally get some kind of character development. Now again, it completely revolves around Ben. Um, but it's there at least. And Lady Shiva shows up and is like, snap out of it you worthless jerk um there's this competition that's gonna go on where it's this underground kung fu competition where everybody fights to the death and uh it's horrible and um it's weird coming from lady shiva because it sounds exactly like the sort of thing she would want to join you know but she's like if you want to she doesn't say she wants to stop it she basically is like if you want to stop it because that's the sort of dumb stuff you do then you need to snap out of this and enter yourself as a competitor. And he's like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go do that. So he goes and does that and he fights this guy. He has a couple, and the guy actually kicks his butt because he's so flabby and out of shape. And so then I think if I'm not remember, remembering correctly, I think he summons the dragon. And um, well, I think Ben, Ben Turner. Um, oh, yeah, Ben's there as the as the bronze tiger, but he's acting and, as the um, yeah, and he he like kicks the other or doesn't allow him to kill him right off the bat, and then 
who summons the dragon. Now he's yeah. He's so ready, he's refereeing the fight, and so when dragon gets knocked down, it's like should I execute him, and and he's like, no, um, keep fighting it out, you know, drag it out, let him experience it, because of course he knows that Richard Dragon's gonna summon the dragon and win. Um, but then there's I forget I forget you know the details don't really matter, but there's basically. Uh, I think the authorities come in. And so then there's this big fight where there are all these evil Kung Fu underground people and the police, and there's like a shootout and a fighting. And so the bronze tiger and Richard dragon team up to escape and to like fight their way out. And then right at the end, the bronze tiger's mask falls off. Richard dragon realizes it's Ben and they sort of look at each other for a moment. And then Ben like jumps off the building and disappears. And Richard dragon's like, okay, I'm back to me. Um, and all of a sudden, the series ends. That's where the series ends. So we get this interest, somewhat interesting new dynamic where, you know, now there's sort of like, what's happened to Ben? Why he is he doing this? Why has he become the Bronze Tiger? Why is he involved in this like underground fight ring? You presume that it has something to do with his hunt for the dad, but you um, but there's a part where it seemed like he was being mind controlled by the guy with the hat and the magnets. Right. And so it's like, maybe he's been mind controlled into being a bad guy and that's why he's doing this stuff, but he does help Richard. So it's hard to tell. We don't find out because the series yeah. ends. No, I mean, there, there's possibilities here. I mean, there is a scene kind of like where he's walking in and then to the Island and then he sees the, the dad and then the, I think he's captured or whatever. So maybe, Maybe they weren't trying to kill him. Maybe they're trying to capture him, to use him uh, in some way. But, you know, as a referee in this fight, that's kind of a weird, you know, to go to all that trouble for this doesn't make a lot of sense. So yeah, obviously there was a greater plot line that they compressed here to make a final issue. And, you know, who knows where it would have gone from there. There's a, there's a lot of stuff missing here because, yeah, he confronts the dad, the guy with the Cyclops hat sucks him up in the air with like a magnet or something it's some sort of like ray beam and um is like i'm gonna use my beams on you to turn you into the perfect killing machine for me work you know work for me but then there's several months maybe it's hard to tell this long period where richard dragon lets himself go in mourning and then when when uh, ben shows up again it doesn't make any sense the way he acts doesn't make any sense for him yeah. to be doing it for the bad guys. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, well, what happened? Yeah. yeah, There's um, a lot missing here. Obviously there was a lot, there was supposed to be some subplot that we just totally got written out and, uh, and they, they just wanted to get it to the bronze tiger part. And that's what we got. And then, you know, that's it. Cliffhanger. It's, it's interesting. They had introduced some new costumes for Ben and Lady Shiva, I think in issue 10. Yeah. Um, but then the, here they were like, I wonder how much of this is trying to make it more into like a superhero book for sales, like too little, too late, um, sort of, which we'll get into in a minute. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, and I mentioned this once earlier before, but um, in the letter column here, we finally get the explanation as to what the acronym good stands for. They had a contest <laughs> to people to write in and the acronym good officially stands for, uh where is it here the global organization for organized defense 
So they're really organized because they've organized themselves twice. Both of the O's stand for organizing. Two, two O's, two organizations, yeah. I don't know which is worse, the fact that they said that multiple people suggested that same name or that <laughs> that's the one they thought was the best. Yep. Because that's terrible. That's um, yeah, that's pretty bad. So the series ends here. Uh, this is December of, of what year, 77? Thinking. Yeah, so 35 cents, yeah, there were 77. Yeah, December 77. Um, it's, it's technically not part of the DC implosion because that happened the following spring. Yeah. Um, but I have no doubt that if the book had continued, it would have also been canceled during Oh, no doubt. One thing that's really interesting to me, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this series is that, and I think we've seen the reasons why, but following the end of the series, several of these characters went on to become much bigger and more important characters in the DC universe. But those characters were not Richard Dragon. He's been referenced, you know, he has appeared and there was like at one point in the continuity, he was one of the many people that taught Batman when, when Bruce Wayne was learning to become Batman, stuff like that. But Lady Shiva and Bronze Tiger both became way more important and much bigger characters. Um, and it happened pretty quickly. Now, I have not read this storyline, but I know that in the pages of the detect Detective Comics, when it turned into the dollar book with the Batman family, there was a storyline in there with the League of Assassins that brought in both Lady Shiva and Bronze Tiger. And I think in that storyline, Bronze Tiger had been brainwashed and was working for the bad guys and broke free at the end of that storyline. Mm -hmm. So some of these plot points were picked up, but I don't think Richard Dragon was in that story. Um, and that's sort of where this went after this. Richard Dragon was a character who would show up every once in a while because they needed to renew the trademark. But the characters that they actually cared about were Lady Shiva, who has become a major, major figure, mainly in the Batman universe. But anytime there's anything to do with um, martial arts, Lady Shiva is like one of the main martial artists. She was like, I think she trained Cassandra Kane, one of the Batgirls and those, all this stuff. And so she was a major character. Bronze Tiger, meanwhile, was one of the founding members of the new Suicide Squad in the mid 80s and was a main character in that series for its entire run and is still a much, much bigger character than Richard Dragon. Now, he didn't appear in the first movie, but I think he's coming, He's going to be in the, the Suicide Squad 2, which isn't out yet. Um, I just find it really interesting, the legacy of the series, because considering how short the series was and how bad the series was, it has had a very outsized influence on the DC universe but not the main character um, and again we kind of see why that happened because they never gave Richard Dragon a character he was just a guy that could punch and had no nothing but all the interesting stuff in the whole series was all revolving around Ben and sometimes Lady Shiva yeah yeah agreed I mean I think the, the only the only time like you said in issue one where you know they they explored his origin and you know which which was you know confusing you know based on what they were saying how did he get there and and then his father mysteriously leaving him you know primo property in Manhattan uh, and then him starting a school what's the only kind of 
the only kind of reason that was there is to have like the students get beat up so that he could react to it. You know? um, and I think later on he showed up in the question and he started training uh, Vic, Vic Sage um, uh, in, in the martial arts. And then he was, I think he appeared in crisis and then he was killed off. Um, uh, I, I don't have that issue, but I heard he was killed off a little bit after that. Uh, but you're right. Shiva, I, I think, is a fabulous character. Um, you know, like you said, as, as, as a League of Assassins foil or as anything to do with martial arts, she should, you know, she to me is, uh, you know, one of those most compelling characters. And of course, Ben Turner and his career, he actually became, you know, something when he went to the Suicide Squad. He was bad. I mean, he was just, he could kick everybody's you know what, um, which, you know, he just did not show in the series. No, he certainly didn't. What he showed in the series was that if there's any possible way to have him get taken out, it was going to happen. Rocks, ice, water, water. Um, something um, off screen. Fall off. He tripped and fell. Uh, shot uh, it, multiple both times. In the shoulder and the leg. Um, and then the poison blow. Poison with the dark. Yeah. And drag, Richard Dragon, he got burnt. I think that was the only thing that really, he got beat up a yeah. few times, but that's about it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so it's, it's just a series that has a legacy that um, is just outsized compared to uh, how good the book was. You know, for comparison, for instance, I haven't read all of it, but I know that Master Kung Fu is a much, much better series. It's like so much better. Oh, yeah. And yet its impact on the Marvel Universe is negligible. Nothing. And yeah. uh, it's, just, it's just interesting to me. And the, the same is kind of true across the board. Like Iron Fist has sort of become a more important character, I guess. Um, but even though his series was less successful than, than Shang-Chi's, um, but it is interesting that Marvel had so much more success with the genre, but DC is the one that ended up with the long-term sort of characters and, and uh, impact from their, their books. Now, I also just want to mention, I should have mentioned this at the beginning, but like DC did end up putting out some other Kung Fu books. Karate Kid was the other one. Um, I mean, I have only read the first couple issues and it was a long time ago. It didn't make any sense to me. That's a case where they had the perfect character name and the perfect character, but the completely wrong setting because he was in the 30th century. And so when I read the first issue and he time travels and gets stuck in the 1970s, I was just like, the hell is this? Yeah. So I never, like, I had no interest in ever reading the rest of them because it just seems so dumb. Um, well, the, 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 the rationale they gave was that, you know, in the 30th century, he felt like a man out of his time because he was a, a karate guy and, you know, and you, and you had all these, um, you know, aliens and superhuman types. So he wanted to prove his mettle. He wanted, he wanted to be put in a position where he could only rely on his own skills. So that's why he went to the, to the 20th, to 20th, 20th century. Uh, but you know, and I know it was because there was a big kung fu fad at the time and any and they already had a character created by jim shooter so you know they wanted to expose him to uh the the fad um people so they created a series i think in 1976 i want to say 
um, and it ran 15 issues. It's, it's better than this, for sure, but it's nothing to write home about. I'm a big Karate Kid fan, but at some point it got very, very just muddled, you know, as to what his motivations were. Um, and, and I only make this, I'll make this um, a kind of opinion, right? The, the big difference between Master of Kung Fu and the DC version is that they were, they were both created at, because of the, at the apex of a fad. Master of Kung Fu transcended that fad. Richard Dragon, Karate Kid did not. I'm going to just say for my own personal headcanon <clears throat> that it was uh, the Karate Kid wearing a giant bug mask and he was actually the praying mantis as he was testing his skills against the people that, that would actually make more sense than the story we've got <laughs> i like um, it. i like it so uh i'm not sure there's too much more to say about this i did actually i guess i'll just maybe wrap up from my end with this is that um i read this part of the series when i was a kid i had the first couple issues mm-hmm. uh, in the mid 80s it was given as a gift I didn't like them enough to collect the rest of the run, but they, they made a big impression on me as everything did at that time. And so in the 1990s, I was trying to break into comics and I actually submitted um, a pitch to Vertigo for a series set during the Vietnam War. It was actually an updated version of the Haunted Tank, but set in Vietnam. and had Richard Dragon in it. Wow. And um, when I, so when I went to read this series, uh, for, for the whole thing for the first time, which I just finished before we recorded this, when I first started, when I started digging in, I had high hopes because I, like it had made a big impression on me as a kid, but I didn't actually remember any of it. And now that I've read it, it's so much worse than I could have possibly imagined. I've had some disappointments of things that I've read like this, you know, like I, I put together a full run of multiple runs for for my podcast of uh, all the Red Sonia solo issues from Marvel. So I had all of her various series mm-hmm. and I read them all at once and it was such a wasted character. Um, great character completely wasted this series is not that um it's a concept and the concept is just let's do something kung fu um and that is literally all the development they did everything else they just made it up as they went and they stumbled into some cool stuff with lady shiva in particular but also bronze tiger at the end and some of the stuff with ben they stumbled into some ideas as they were going, but it's very clear that even being adapted from a novel, which should give them a big edge on this, they had no idea what they were doing with the characters and they were just, there was nothing there. There was nothing there. Like it was just a hundred percent trying to capitalize on the fad. There was, there was nothing. Whereas, you know, in Marvel, there were concepts, there were characters, you know, um, the, the hook with, with Shang-Chi is just 500 times more compelling than anything we see in this series. Absolutely. The, the Shang-Chi is very character driven. This is, I guess you can say plot driven, but really it's, it's really, uh, to me, it seemed like they were just coming up with 
semi-plausible situation so that we could see the martial arts. You know, e there were even parts where, you know, there were security guards that just said, hey, you can't come in here. And then they start throwing them, you know, judo. Yeah. Uh, so it seemed to me like everything was an excuse to use the martial arts that they, they supposedly only would use as a last resort. But that, it, it, it was so contrived in this series compared to Master Kung Fu and even Iron Fist. Uh, you know, Iron Fist, they, they're, they're, that was more, honestly, that, that was a long-term plot, you know, about Conan Lung and his family and the plots that they were trying to do to take over the business. I mean, there were some involved plots in there, but this, it, it was very contrived. It was just, it was thrown together, which is weird considering, as we mentioned, the first issue of Master Kung Fu was cover dated December 1973. This didn't come out until cover date May 1975. It's a year and a half later. They've had plenty of time to come up with decent ideas and they didn't, which is just sort of um, uh, just another mark against the 70s morass, the DC, particularly the mid 70s. I think Jeanette Khan eventually cleaned that stuff up, but there's some bad, bad comics from DC from this period in particular, and this is definitely one of them. <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Classic Comics Forum podcast. As always, I'd like to thank my guest, Metarog. I hope you enjoyed this look at Richard Dragon, Kung Fu Fighter. Uh, I've got a couple really interesting guests coming up with some really cool topics, but I can't uh, spoil anything now. Just tune in because I think you're going to enjoy these. Um, and I'll also uh, be curious to see what any of you think about Richard Dragon. So, as always, you're welcome to join us at ClassicComics.org to join in the conversation. And I hope to see you there.